Welcome to the Journey to Cloud9 podcast, where we ask nine questions to amazing people around the world about how they live lives full of meaning and purpose. On today's episode, Jordan interviews Brian Miller. Brian is a magician turned author, speaker, podcast host, and consultant on human connection. His TEDx talk, How to Magically Connect with Anyone, has been viewed over three million times and Publishers Weekly said his book, Three New People, brilliantly outlines a system for deepening relationships. Brian is the host of Beyond Networking, a podcast where they help you build a sustainable career in an unpredictable world, featuring intimate conversations with legends and leaders of industries about the relationships, connections, and chance encounters that got them there. To learn more about Brian and his work, check out the links in the show notes. Brian Miller, thank you for coming on the Journey to Cloud9 podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be chatting with you today. I know I've watched your TED Talk. I've heard a lot about your story. I'm sure a lot of people listening have as well. But I want to dive in a little bit deeper into how you've created such a Cloud9 life for yourself. But before that, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear that phrase, Cloud9, like a little word association? Uh, it just feels like floating. It feels so nice. <laughs> yeah, floating so nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, up in the clouds, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. It just feels like everything. I don't know. I it, it makes me feel like like I'm not worried about where I am, and I'm also not worried about where I'm going for a moment. So present, exactly. Yeah. So I know you're going to share your cloud nine moment with us in a little bit, but. What does a cloud nine moment actually feel like for you? Can you walk us through your feelings there? So a cloud nine moment to me, it's interesting because there's very few moments in my life or career that I would really describe as a cloud nine moment. And Uh so, you know, I, and I don't know if that's common or not, but I feel like, you know, my life and my career have been made up of lots lots of moments that some of them are really good some of them are really bad and then it's really just looking back it's when i decide to analyze something you know one of my all-time favorite quotes is you know we can only connect the dots looking backwards right and so when i look back on some moments i go oh yeah i guess i guess that would be something you might describe as a cloud nine moment but i i don't think cloud nine moments feel like much of anything, I don't think they feel out of the ordinary in the mind. I think they just feel like what's happening now. Yeah. And I think it's really in our memory, in our analysis, in our description um, that that we we feel something, uh, that we feel that elation. Like, oh, that moment I had, oh, that was the thing, right? That was the one. Right. Um, and I, it kind of just makes me think of something I've been reading recently. I've been reading Darren Brown's book, Happy. Darren Brown is this legendary British mentalist. and Yeah, I saw it in Secret. Yeah. Oh, you saw Secret? We saw it too. How, did you enjoy it? I loved it. I saw it twice. I went back a second time. and it Just was- as good, right? <laughs> I've been obsessed with Darren Brown. Unfortunately, uh, the uh, you know Americans are only just just barely beginning to discover him, but I've been following him gosh, for almost 20 years, he was one of my earliest inspirations in magic. And his book, Happy, is Uh not getting enough love. And he describes in in this book how uh, memoirs, by and large, when people write their memoir, uh, what they do is they kind of scrape through all of their memories for 
something that resembles a hero's journey. And they just kind of push away all the lucky moments and chance encounters and randomness. And uh-huh. they just invent a hero's journey in order to tell a story. Right. And, and that's, I guess, you know, this is kind of a long-winded answer. But I, I think when you describe, you know, asked, what does a cloud nine moment feel like? I'm like, I think it only feels like what you're asking when I look back on it. In the moment, it's just what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the story that you tell associated to the moment that you're going to yeah. call that moment. Yeah, I, li- I like that description. And you said before, you don't know if it's common that people have a lot of cloud nine moments or not. I think there's different degrees of cloud nine moments. So I think most people say, yeah, I try to have a cloud nine moment every day. And that's, you know, I, I want people to have mm. cloud nine moments every day. But the real ones that stand out, like the one that you'll share later on, I think that's a whole another magnitude of cloud nine moments. So that, yeah. that's, that's the differentiation. But, um, okay, so how do you start your day on cloud nine? Hmm. I, this is all, this kind of stuff starts to sound a little woo-woo lately with social media, but I I really try to start mornings uh, with a sense of gratitude. I know hashtag gratitude is becoming a little bit of a buzzword out there. It's just a new version of saying like, you know, be... Be, be thankful for the things that are going well, because w- once you get into the thick of the day, then all the little problems that really you're not even going to remember you had a week from now or a year from now, yeah. they're going to start to feel like big deals. And it's really good to start a day going, you know, things are things are pretty good. Before I get into that yeah. crappy email that someone sent me and this client needs some obnoxious thing and that event's going to fall through. And before all that happens, just going, you know, by and large, like, Things are pretty good. If, if yeah. you're watching this conversation right now, you're probably better off than most of the world. So I love that perspective. That's exactly, it's like radical gratitude, right? I think that might yeah. be a buzzword. Um, but yeah, just like, I'm so grateful for my, my finger not being broken right now. Like little things like that. <laughs> Especially know? when I was a magician. So grateful. These still work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Um, when you're reflecting on the day that you've had, I don't know if you do nighttime reflections or we'll get to your nighttime routine, but uh, if you are, are just really looking back on a day and you have the chance to say, I, I truly had a cloud nine day today, what would make you say that? I feel like, I don't want to repeat myself from an earlier answer. I, I, I feel like I've had a cloud nine day if... If I'm proud of the work I did that day, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be I won a multi five figure contract from a client or I got a standing ovation tonight. It, you know, it it it, it could be I I took care of the work that I needed to. I got to do some of the stuff that I wanted to do, and I'm proud of where my work is going and the impact I'm having on the people in my life, personally and professionally. If that all happened today, that's a pretty good day. I love that. That's great. Simplicity at its finest. How about a cloud nine meal? Do you like food? <laughs> I love food. You wouldn't know it, for, but, uh, but I love food. <laughs> uh, cloud nine meal. Um, boy, I had a good one the other night. Uh, we, uh, my wife and I took, uh, took her folks, my in-laws, uh, out to a nice uh, dinner to, uh-huh. I don't know, have fun and chat yes. and all that jazz. Uh, you don't always need an occasion, I guess. And boy, oh boy, I, I, I had a really, really good rack of lamb. And uh, there's gonna be a lot of people that just decided to hate me just now. But, <laughs> um, but I don't know, I, I've had there's so many, I, you know, some, some but the thing with meals, though, 
is that a lot of times they're tied to the context. Some of the best meals I've ever had have been things that you would never consider world-class. I've had the very good fortune of having um, been, you know, spoken and uh, performed across five continents and uh, multiple times working with uh, the U.S. government, with Navy Entertainment to share my magic and my message with, wow. with the American troops on bases all over the world. I've been on bases all over the world. Um, right in Europe, all across Asia. I've been in the Middle East. I've been in Africa. And uh, some of the best meals I've ever had have been really just my local host, say in Bahrain in the Middle East, took me into the streets, into the city, into the real, like somewhere I would not have ventured on my own. And we got um, we just got food from a street vendor and, and ate it with our fingers. And I don't even know what I ate, right? I don't have any allergies. So luckily I can try anything anywhere. Um, and it was just extraordinary. Uh, we did uh, barbecue in South Korea. They don't call it Korean barbecue there. They call it barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I'm from Buffalo, New York. We only call them wings. We don't call them right, buffalo right. wings. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I, I've had some really exceptional meals that to the locals probably were just their average day-to-day food. But, yeah. um, but the context and the culture is what made it interesting. I love that. Context, culture, it sounds like there's a bit of adventure to your palate, right? Because you can try yeah. anything. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try anything once. Yeah. yeah, and then even with the first experience, just the people that you're with, obviously, and all the experiences you're with while you're eating. Um, do you not call it? Do you just call it sauce in Buffalo? <laughs> we, you know, Buffalo sauce really isn't on a menu in Buffalo. That's just yeah. what comes on wing. Like if you're in Buffalo and you order wings, you don't order it with sauce. You just tell them how hot you want it. Right. Um, you know, it's only outside of Buffalo that say what kind of sauce. First time I ever got asked that after I left Buffalo, moved out, started traveling the country. I was in like South Dakota or something and I was at a tavern and they and I said I wanted wings and they said, what kind of sauce? I'm like, what do you mean what kind of sauce? Uh-huh. They're like, well, you want like honey mustard? You want ranch? I'm like, yeah. what? Like I was so I was so offended. I don't even think I ate there. I walked out. You stopped. Out. Yeah, you stopped. <laughs> um all right, man. So to switch gears just a little bit, a little more intensive a question, but if you could project years and years into the future, you're looking back on your life, reflecting just like maybe with a cloud nine day, and you have the chance to say, I've truly lived my definition of a cloud nine life. What does that look like? I mean, to me, a cloud nine life is really just when you can look back and say, as often as I could, as best as I could, I showed up for the people in my life, the, the people to my left and right, my friends and family, obviously, my clients and, and, and customers, but, but also the random stranger in line at the coffee shop, the random person that you bump into, uh, you know, waiting for a lift or at the airport, you know, to just, it doesn't take more than 10 seconds with a stranger uh, to, to really show up with an attitude of, of, of empathy and generosity and respect and dignity. And, and I think these are really core values and there's just not enough of it anymore. It really feels like we've just forgotten uh, that smiling at a stranger can change their day. One of my favorite quotes um, is, I believe from Nicholas Epley, a researcher in Chicago, and he, he's, he wrote in his book, um, he wrote, almost nobody waves, but everybody waves back. And it's, it's just such a powerful sentiment that you can, you know, if you're getting up to the front of the line at Starbucks or whatever, and before you just point, you know, that, th- that moment where you literally like, you look right through the cashier, you look right through the barista, whoever's taking your order, and you just go, oh, I want the thing with the almond milk and this and that. And, 
and instead just take a second. I mean, they got a name tag on. You could ask for their name, but they got a name tag. You just say, yeah. hey, uh, I'm Brian. Are you Jeff? And they say, yeah, Jeff. He's like, Jeff, it's nice to meet you. It's kind of busy today. How's, how's your day going? And they'll be like, oh, man, it's, yeah, it's, it's been busy today. And that's it. That 10 seconds acknowledgement of the, the individual person that they are and not just another obstacle on your way to coffee, yeah. it can totally set off a ripple effect. And I think if I've lived most of my days like that, I'm not perfect, but if I can do that as often as I, uh, as I can, then I've lived a cloud nine life. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I'm on the same page as you with the positive ripple effect, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate just for fun here. Maybe more of a pessimistic point of view would be the person behind you online who just wants to get their coffee and get out of there, right? So you're actually negatively impacting that person's day by having the 10 second conversation with the cashier, right? So what's the response, you know? I mean, if I, so no, so no, so that's an interesting question, right? So the thing is, I, I can't, if I can't be worried about how everybody else is going on in their head, right? I, 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 I can do my best to, to use tactical empathy, perspective taking, take on their point of view. But if I'm trying to improve the quality of life for 10 seconds for this person standing in front of me, and this person behind me is a little annoyed because we're taking an extra 10 seconds, that's probably their issue and not mine. If I took on, I can't, the goal isn't to take on everyone else's problems, right? The goal is to, you can only do what you can do. I'm in control of what I'm putting into the world. And for all you know, it may have taken an extra 10 seconds and they may be a little annoyed by that. But for all you know, somewhere in the back of their head, that moment stuck when they saw the, the smile light up on, on somebody. And, you know, you, you can't, you, you should try to put positivity into the world more than you worry about the negative implications of positive behavior. Yeah. You know, people, if, if they're upset, there's almost guarantee if I had not taken that extra 10 seconds, they still would have been annoyed that I took too long. So you can't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. I, yeah, sure. Someone the other day gave a good perspective. It was, it was totally unrelated. I didn't ask that exact question, but she said that she was, she like um, popped out and said boo to one of her coworkers and the coworker was really pissed off and she was like, not today. I like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need that today. And the woman was basically just like, Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry for trying to make you smile. And then yeah. that actually got a smile out of the woman who was in a bad mood. So it's just like, when you think about it in perspective, the person who's pissed off about the 10 extra seconds, if you really say to them, like, what do you piss off about? And they say out loud, Oh, that the guy in front of me had a conversation with the barista and tried to make them smile. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, maybe it's ridiculous. Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe they have a sick relative and they're desperately trying to get to the hospital and bring them a cup of coffee. Right. You know, you, you don't know what, what, what's going on for people, which is why, um, you know, I, I find myself saying this a lot that a lot of people think when I spend all my time talking about connection, that what I'm saying about taking on other perspectives is that you have to agree with everybody. It's like, no, 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 no. The, the beauty of perspective taking, the beauty of connection is we can connect with people not in spite of their differences, but because of them. Yeah. Like the goal of connection is not agreement. The goal is understanding. And yeah. so as soon, like it, suppose that actually happened. The person behind you says something like, oh, this guy's taking an extra time. Yeah. And you turn around and go, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take some extra time. I was, I was just trying to put a smile on, on you know, this person's face right here. Yeah. Is everything okay? Right. If you turn around and go, is everything okay? 
you know, maybe they go, you know, I, I'm sorry, I got a sick relative and this and that, or maybe they're just a jerk, right? But, but that's, I, I'm, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to try to put positivity into the world and more connection into the world because if anything, the reason some people are, are, so many people are walking around like that right now is because they're so isolated, because of the detrimental physiological and psychological impact that loneliness and isolation has on us. The studies are really clear over the last few years. And, and, and the results of these studies, like these big landmark studies on loneliness and isolation, the conclusions that these major health organizations have come to are, are, are comically simple. They would be funny if this wasn't so dire, which is how do you uh, eliminate loneliness and isolation? The people with the lowest levels of loneliness and isolation are people who have frequent, meaningful, in-person interactions. That's it. Same yeah. thing since the beginning of time. We've just forgotten how to do it. Right. Yeah. I love that conversation. Anyway, now I'm going to give you a chance, Brian, to share a story about a time that you truly felt like you were on cloud nine. So what was that moment? Sure. So like I mentioned earlier, there's very few single moments that I feel like are really, I mean, you know, my, when you first ask me that, my brain goes to, well, that first time I ever got a standing ovation as a magician, it's like, oh, that felt great. But, but that's fleeting because then you go, oh, but if I don't get one tomorrow night, then I feel bad because I'm not as good as I was, right? So I mean that, you know, the, the, the first time I got, um, I was able to get myself into an apartment without roommates where I was supporting myself full time as a yeah. self-employed artist where I wasn't struggling to feed myself anymore. Right. I mean, that was great, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, but then life kicks in and you're worried about something else. Um, yeah. Really, the, the thing I'm most proud of in my life and career, and this has an intersection with my life and career, is when I first met the woman who's now my, um, now my wife, Lindsay, we had just started dating and we kind of had that whirlwind relationship where it got going very quickly. And I was living alone at the time in a very, very, very tiny apartment, but it's all I needed and I was traveling. Yeah. So that was fine. Yeah. And we, she kind of snuck moved in over the course of a few months, you know, all of a sudden after a few months, I realized she was basically living with me and that was great, but it was a tiny apartment. And so we needed to upgrade just to a slightly bigger place. Now, the thing was when we met, she was in her first semester of her master's. She was going to get her master's in uh, marriage and family therapy. She's now a licensed marriage and family therapist which there's a whole separate joke about the fact that I married a marriage therapist, but we'll leave that aside for now. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't work out, really, I mean, whose fault is it? Because she ought to know better. Anyway, all right, sorry. sorry. Yeah. So back to the, the topic at hand. Uh, so she had been out of school, out of her undergrad for years, working and living in an apartment with some roommates. But then right before we met, she decided to go back and do her master's. And her folks said, you may as well come back and live home with us so at least you don't have any living expenses while you're doing your master's. Mm -hmm. And so she had just started living at home for the first time again, now in her mid-20s. Mm -hmm. And we started dating. And here she was dating someone who was a self-employed you know, magician at the time, doing re reasonably well you know, for myself. You know, uh, and, and she was really... I don't want to say nervous, but she, she kind of said, listen, she goes, I, I can see that you've done really well for yourself and you've worked really hard for this. She said, I, I wasn't planning on working through grad school because, you know, I was working for the last few years, but my parents said, hey, you may as well live at home 
if you're going to do your master's. So I was planning on just focusing on my master's for the next three years and not working at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put all that on you because mm -hmm. you've, you're self-employed and you've done this great thing for yourself. And even though it was only three or four months into our relationship, I was so sure of our relationship. I said, Linz, I'm doing well enough. I can cover us both. There's no problem and no worries. Just do your master's, focus on your school. Education is really important to my family. And I think you should, if you have the opportunity in life, and very few people do, it's a very lucky situation. If you have the opportunity to do school and just focus on your education for a couple of years and not worry about also working three or four jobs, very few people are lucky enough to do that. But I was able to give that to her because I had worked so hard to make it when I was self-employed. And for me, that's the biggest cloud nine moment I can think of is I was able to give her that gift of just focus on the future of your career and what you want to do with yourself. So it's a really, really nice story. And, and like you said, before we chat, it is different than a lot of the ones that I've heard. Um, but it's so meaningful and powerful. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. It was great. Sure. Yeah. So last two questions, we've, we've been speaking kind of big picture wise, mm -hmm. but I want to give some people practical advice, right? And the first question I have for you is, do you have any daily habits that bring you back to the cloud nine mindset if you're mm -hmm. thrown off or something happens throughout the day? Daily habits. This, this, is, this is where my Seth Godin is going to start showing. Okay. So uh, Seth uh, is a hero of mine. He's become something of a mentor. Uh, I've been very, very lucky to, uh -huh. to have his support in my life and my work. And yeah. as a student of Seth Godin, those listening who are familiar with his work will hear in my words what I'm about to say. I don't think it's helpful for anybody else to hear what my daily practices are. Because my daily practices are so specific to me and my thoughts and my background and my life. Uh, you know, if I tell you, well, I wake up every day and the first thing I do is X, Y, and Z. And before I go to bed, I do this, this, and that. It's like, yeah, okay. Is that helpful to you? I don't know. Because you live a different life than me. Right. Um, and, and for every person that tells you you have to schedule your day in 30-minute increments and stick to it, there's someone who's equally as successful that's like, I don't do any of that. I just go by whatever I can and do the best yeah. I can. And I do things when I want to. And I mean, you know, I, I do have a habit of, of the former. I schedule my day like 30-minute increments before I go to sleep every night. Right. To, to keep myself honest. And I really do believe in that principle that that work expands to fill the time allotted. The what you people usually take that to mean is, well, if you give yourself, you know, an hour or two hours, it's going to take you all that time to do that task. Right. It's like, yeah, but the inverse of that is if you only give yourself a half an hour to do that task, it only takes half an hour. Right. Yeah. Unless you're being totally unreasonable with, right. with it. Right. If yeah. you're being reasonable, um, if you give yourself half an hour, you will finish that task in half an hour, where if you had given yourself an hour, it would have taken you an hour. Mm. And so I, one of the, I guess if I'm going to give a tip within the context of, I don't think this is helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say I'm, I'm a really aggressive scheduler with my own time because I believe time is the most important thing that we have. And if I can maximize my time professionally, it means I can also maximize my time personally. And by maximize my time personally, I simply mean do with my personal time what I 
want to do, whether that's like some people are like, don't, you know, oh, like, you know, the, I love Gary Vee, but I, but I get nervous about the message he's been putting out for years about if you're watching Netflix, you're wasting time. If you're doing this, you're wasting time. I'm like, I'm, I mean, yeah, maybe, but what's your goal in this life? Is it just to work or is it to enjoy yourself and to like, because you can make an impact, quote unquote, by simply spending time with your loved ones watching Netflix. Like that's impact too. So, you know, I think when you're really good at scheduling, um, then you open yourself up to the freedom to do what you want to do with your life. Agreed. Even scheduling that free time, that fun time, that non-work time. Yeah. And I love that perspective too, and, and that you and Seth Godin both share. And it's the reason why I write fictional personal development as opposed to just here's what I do. So this is what you should do. And, or here's what Brian does. So this is what you should do. I like putting it in story form so people can understand it better and realize how it applies to their lives. So yeah, it's great. And I'm looking forward, by the way, because we had talked about that. I'm looking forward to seeing how this new book comes out. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Um, last question for you. Sure. If you could really visualize somebody in your life, you know, put their face in your mind right now and just think, of them not having a cloud nine day or they, they really had the opposite of a cloud nine day. And maybe they had a couple of those days in a row. Maybe it's been weeks or months, right? And you really want to get them back to where you know they can be. What would be the first step you take this person on to begin their journey to cloud nine? It's an interesting question. That's a tough question. Yeah. Um, I think partly the reason I think it's a tough question is because it has embedded with it a few assumptions that I'm not sure I agree with. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's my job or my responsibility to uh, create someone else's happiness, just like I don't think it's anybody else's responsibility to create mine. What I do believe we can do for each other is model. Yeah. Um, we, can, we can model what a cloud nine life looks like. We can model what a meaningful career looks like. And... I can think of a specific person who is one of my uh, dearest friends who is very happy on a day-to-day -day basis, but over years it became very clear that their work was not fulfilling them. Um, they're happy at work. They don't dislike work um, and they're amazing at their job, but they're not fulfilled by it. And so I started nudging when we would go out for coffee and stuff. I started saying, Hey, you know, you used to do X, Y, and Z. How come you haven't done that in a while? You know, oh, well, you know, I'm busy. And then I get home and I'm tired and I this and that. And it took probably a year's worth of nudging every so often, just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this or, oh, I thought of a book I think you would like. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to send it to you, mm -hmm. right? And little things like that. And then just a month ago, I got a text out of the blue that was, um, I, I'm being vague so that this person's ever watching. They're not sure I'm talking about them. But I got a text out of the blue that was essentially a photo proof photograph. They'd taken a photo of something they had just done. That was that thing, that thing that drove them, that passion, that thing that lights their soul on fire that they had finally done again for the first time in years and years. And they said to me, you know, I can't thank you enough for pushing me towards this. I'm not even happy with this thing that I did, but I almost quit after five minutes because it's been so long, but I thought of you and I pushed through it anyway, and I'm sending this to you as, you know, essentially to, to say, look, proof, I did it. Yeah. And, and, and now they're getting back into that habit, that routine. Uh, so I think the best thing we can do is model 
Um, you know, they see me every single day, you know, not just living uh, a life that I think is worth living and, and, and pursuing a career that I think is worth doing, um, doing work that matters, right? Uh, but, but talking about the work that I do that I think matters and the life that I live that I think matters. So yeah. I, think, I think you're not responsible for their happiness or the cloud nine, but, but you can model it. There you go. That's everything, man. Thank you so much. Oh, Jordan, what a pleasure. This is, uh, this is great. What a fun little, uh, fun yeah. little conversation. Yeah. I like your quest. I really appreciate your questions for what it's worth because I feel like I've had two hour long in-depth conversations that were not nearly as in-depth of these, as these, uh, these questions. So that was great. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Journey to Cloud9 podcast. For more info on everything Cloud9, check out the Journey to Cloud9 website and Jordan's new book, Journey to Cloud9, now available on Amazon. Links are in the show notes.